right. Well, good morning, good morning. We doing good? Doing all right? Happy it's December. Now you can finally uh, take pictures of your Christmas tree that's been in your living room for a month without shame. Right. It's officially, we're, we're ready to roll. We are ready for Christmas. Come on, it's December, and uh, we're excited this month again to be opening up this series called Advent, the Coming Savior. And so we're going to jump right into that here in a moment, but I want to let you guys know about a couple of things before we jump in. And uh, this month is, uh, we're really focusing in on, on something that we do pretty much every year, and it's called Acts of Kindness. And so what we have for you uh, at all the pub tables here, whenever you came in, you should, should have seen one of these cards right here. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to grab some of these cards, uh, well, g- grab some, depending on your amount of generosity. So you'll be able to judge people's generosity based on how many cards they get. But what we want you to do is to go out into the community over the next few weeks. We want you to bless people. And we want you to give them this card. And uh, look, one thing about December is December is a, a great month for a lot of us. But December is also a very difficult month for a lot of people. And many of you guys know, um, I mean, th- th- there's great loss that happens during the year. And for a lot of people, this may be the first, you know, first Christmas without certain people that they love. Uh, there might have been something that happened this year that just brings up, you know, pain in their heart. And maybe we want to help people out and show them some love. And uh, we're doing that in, in, in a few different ways. This past week, right before Thanksgiving, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, the we, we went to multiple grocery stores, just multiple grocery stores all over the coast, and we actually bought uh, people's groceries, about $2,500 worth each store that we went to. And man, just, just, man, just load them up. Just, y'all, y'all just keep rolling through the line, and we just, we just swipe the card, and, um, and we blessed a lot of people. And I tell you, it's, it's awesome to be able to bless people who are in real need. It was one, one family that we, we paid for, and uh, they had a bunch of kids, and, and uh, they were excited, you could tell, but... When that bill comes, y'all know how it is. You don't have much in the bank, and, and you go to, it's, it's painful. And when somebody walks up and says, hey, man, we just want to pay for your groceries and uh, give you a card, just let you know, you know, Jesus loves you. And, uh, man, people broke down. And let me tell you something. Whenever we do that, whenever I say we, I mean we, okay? As a church, that's the kind of stuff that we want to be known for. And so I want to encourage you to do that on a personal level. This week, I want you to go to people who are in hopeless situations. You might know some. Maybe some people are in the hospital. Some people may be in, in prison. Maybe you know some people in jail. This week, I'd love for you to, to, to visit some people, to reach out to some people who are in hopeless situations. And uh, you might buy them something. That might be good. But for some of you, it might just be go sit down and hang out with them for a couple of hours. If you've ever been at the end of your ropes, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to sit with you and say, how you doing? What's up? And just sit down. And, and I'm telling you, as we show Jesus to people in a real tangible way, uh, there, there's something about it that is, uh, it's not just a building, right? And I know what I'm talking about. It's not just like a, a going to church. You're bringing this things that we're going to be talking about today with you to those people in need. And so on the back, it says, uh, a reminder that Jesus brings hope, joy, peace, and love. And so that's what we want to represent this month. Y'all going to do it? Three of you. All right, we're going to be good. Nah. Also, when you came in, you should have received one of these uh, toy drive flyers. We're going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be taking uh, uh, up some collections of toys over the next few weeks. And we're going to be giving it to some people in need uh, through this company here. And uh, under each age, you'll see some different, different things that you can buy. But if you bring those on the dates, uh, we're going to go ahead and get those distributed where they need to be. 
And uh, there's one more thing I want to say. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Um, on December 14th and also a few other dates, we're going to be doing two serve opportunities. And uh, just so you know, you can go to northwood.church slash serve opportunities if you have not already. We've been kind of posting this all over Facebook. We talked about it last week as well. Um, we have two different outlets. One is Camping for Hope. How many of you guys know what Camping for Hope is? A few of you guys, okay. So there's an organization here on the coast, Gulf Coast Community Ministries, and there's a lot of churches who also get together with them. And they do this thing once a year called Camping for Hope. And basically they gather together tents and socks and sleeping bags and all sorts of things. Um, and they gather together on a Saturday morning and they give them out to the people in our homeless community. Um, they all gather at this one spot down uh, close to the beach. And so, so we're, we're always a part of this. And I wanna encourage you guys to be a part of that as well. To, to give some of you, it'd be great for you to show up. You'll actually find more information if you go to the site and sign up, but, but actually going and showing up and helping to set up and helping to hand things out. I know we've always got a good turnout each year. So uh, I, th- I think really the big idea is for all of us is to kind of get outside of ourself this month, okay? Um, December is all about me, me, me. All right, we'll get into that here in a second. But uh, in that, we, we've got to almost force ourselves at times to, to extend, you know, hope and, and, and generosity outward. And so we want to give some, some really good opportunities for that, that to take place. As well as Camping for Hope, there is Circle of Hope, Circle for Hope. And many of you may have heard about this as well. This is a serve project here at Northwood Church led, um, led by Mr. Randy Robbins. And uh, what it is, it's a group of people that go to different nursing homes or, uh, or retirement facilities or assisted living facilities and go and spend some time with the people who live there. Um, we've got one group up in our Wiggins location. They go, they actually throw a big birthday party every, every month for all the people whose birthdays are that month. And, and it's a great time. Um, and, and so we just really love being a part of those communities. And so I'd wanna encourage you to also do that. We're making a push this month for everybody to be a part in some way, shape, or form. Now, here's the deal. There's three different dates, so uh, it's not like one date. And so if you're like, ah, I can't make it that date, no worries, no worries. There's one on the 7th, the 14th, and the 21st for all of your, uh, your, your, your serving needs, okay? So go to northwood.church slash serve opportunities, and uh, you'll find out some more information there. All right. <sighs> Got all that information out there. Good. Everybody, everybody, you ready for more information now? All right. I'm a little bit more excited about this. I love to, to be able to teach. And, and so I'm excited to be able to teach this week on, we're going to be talking about hope. We're going to be talking about hope. And you see, when it, we talk about Advent, Advent is really, it means coming or arrival. And so this month we're celebrating the coming or the arrival of Jesus, right? His birth. And not only his first coming, but also Subsequently, his second coming. All right, now for us, that's, that's really what we're looking towards. All right, but we look back at his birth and, and there's some things that his birth represents, some things that Jesus restored and redeemed. And we wanna talk about those this month. So it's Christmas season. We're all looking forward to Christmas. It's exciting. Um, I, I think that Christmas has been hijacked by just materialism and consumerism. Come on, anybody else agree with that? Right? We're like, we're basically, it's, it's like, okay, Christmas is December 25th. So how soon can we begin to look forward to Christmas? It's, I mean, July, August, August 1st, that's with a turn. It's kind of, kind of getting close to fall or an extended summer here in South Mississippi. And I mean, just as soon as we can, we wanna jump on the bandwagon at Christmas and start looking forward to it. And look, everything about Christmas isn't bad. It's not, it's not bad to look forward to presents and, and getting together with family and all that good stuff. However, I think that a lot of the things in our culture, it just overshadows what really matters. 
And so we've got to be continually reminded of what matters. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to drift. Like my brain, my, my thinking tends to drift away from things that really matter towards things that don't. And usually it has a lot to do with myself. All right, we're, we're selfish by nature. And so, so as it drifts away from people, it drifts away from God, I've got to continually be reminded of who God is and what he's done for me. And this month is really that way that we're going to be doing, uh, the, the way that we're going to be doing it when it comes to the birth of Jesus. So Christmas, it's been hijacked. I think that this year could be different for all of us and we could focus in on the right things. Now, when it comes to Jesus' first coming, there was a lot of people who were actually looking for the coming of a Messiah. The Jews had been reading about this Messiah for many years. There was prophecies for hundreds, thousands of years about someone coming to, to break the back of the enemy, even from the garden, Adam and Eve, whenever it first happened, there was going to be, there was a prophecy, God really spoke it, that eventually a man would come and would defeat the enemy uh, on our behalf. And so, so from the beginning, this was the plan, and, and the people of Israel, they had their eyes and their hearts like set on this coming Messiah. The reality is, though, is that when Jesus came, they completely missed him. A lot of people just missed him because their expectations were set on this king figure that would establish this kingdom, and they thought that he would look a certain way, he would act a certain way. They were expecting a king who would rule and reign, um, and he came like that right there, a little baby in a manger, okay, Something like that. I don't know that the halo around the head is exactly with like, but it might might have. I don't know. But that's how Jesus came. He came, and, and honestly, y'all, he lived his life completely different than everybody thought he should. Even the disciples, they thought that he should act a certain way or, or do things a certain way, and he always did things different. And that confused a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I, I would like to think that if Jesus came in the same manner he did, that all of us in this room would recognize him, that we would see, we'd be like, that's the Messiah. But I think that, honestly, most of us would be just like the Jews, just like the Pharisees. We'd completely miss him. We'd be like, oh, no, he's changing everything. He's completely, like, it, that can't be the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? But he was. And so with this, we want to make sure that our view of who Jesus is and our view of what Jesus has done is also accurate. That when Jesus came, he restored some things that were broken. He restored hope. He restored joy. He restored peace. And he restored love. But how did he do that? What does that look like? So today we're going to focus in on hope. But I want to define and kind of kind of, I guess, align our thinking about what I mean when I say hope. You know, I, I think def defining words is so important because as we use words, they tend to lose their, their original meaning. They tend to drift. And so I could say something, you know, one word in one culture, and it means a certain thing. You fly across the globe to another, it means a totally different thing. And so words like hope, it's the same thing. Culturally speaking, we have an understanding of hope. And I guess the easiest way to put it is, is hope is really that feeling of looking forward to something, looking forward to something, uh, kind of like kids for Christmas or any sort of vacation. I remember growing up, like the day before we go on a big trip, you know, you had trouble sleeping because you were so excited. You know, it's, it's like every time you turn over, you look at the clock, it's like four o'clock. You're like, is it time to get up yet? No, it's not, you know? 4.15, it's time to get up, 4.17. It's just like every two minutes because you're so excited. And then we get old and cynical and sarcastic. We look forward to 
nothing. <laughs> right? like, I don't remember the last time that I really, really had butterflies in my stomach of just sheer excitement, you know. It might have been the last time LSU won the national championship, actually, that, that morning. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. But, but uh, hey, this year, this is, this, this is the year. So, anyway, <laughs> got to steer it back. I'm a little bit excited about what's going on with the LSU Tigers. But, uh, anyway, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> we don't really have that. We kind of lose that. Or instead of losing it, maybe it actually transitions into a different type of thing, a different type of hope, a different type of feeling. You see, I kind of think about our cultural understanding when it comes to hope, hoping for something, looking forward to something, sort of like gifts. I mean, come on, some of y'all, y'all see this and you're like, oh, presents. And you get all excited. It, uh, it's like drilled into us from, from a young age, you know, to look forward to what's inside the present. And our life is sort of like that. We, we look forward to something because honestly, guys, we're built to look forward to something. Right now, all of you have something you're looking forward to. It might be lunch, but you're looking forward to something, all right? But on a bigger picture, we open up the gift of life, and, and as we're looking forward to what life might bring, we set our hope in certain things. And so, you know, young people right now, look, you're 15, 16, 17 years old. I mean, look, you've got to know what you're going to do as a career path. You've got to know where you're going to retire, and you need to know all the things with life at 17 years of age. Like, that's just what you're taught, right? So you're doing your best, and you're also freaking out about it, you know? But... But you reach into the gift of life and, to your, your, and you're like, man, I'm hoping for something. I'm hoping for something. I'm hoping that, that I, I can get a good job and I can make a lot of money, right? Because if I can make a lot of money, then I can do a lot of things. And so you actually, your hope, your expectation, right? What you're looking forward to is that career, establishing that career, making a lot of money. And, and uh, I got $1 here because that's actually usually what it feels like at some point is, one dollar, that's like all you got. But, but you got money, you're paying your bills. And the thing about it is, is that, that once you get that career, I mean, you're in it, and then you need something else to look forward to, right? And let's say you're killing it, you're crushing it. It doesn't matter. You still need some sort of hopeful expectation for something in the future. And so just kind of going through the path of life, the next thing that we usually tend to want is, is we need that new car, right? Like, man, if I could just smell that new car smell, then my hopes shall be fulfilled, and I'm good. And then we get that new car, and the tag is a lot more than we expected. And uh, that idiot rear-ended us at the light, and so now it's, it drives sideways, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and all of a sudden, that hope is dashed. It's, it's not exciting anymore. I need something else to look forward to. There's always got to be something that I am I'm, I'm transitioning into and holding on to. And so, you know, then eventually we're like, man, I, I, I tell you what I need. I need, I need a spouse. I need a person, right? I need a person to share my life with. And so we find the one, the needle in the, the haystack, right? The one in seven and a half billion people possible. We find the one. And then we get married and we're like, you know, maybe there was another one after all. Maybe it was... <laughs> Maybe there was multiple needles in the haystack. I should have been more patient. I'm not really quite sure about. It's good, though, right? Because, you know, because we're committed. We're committed to one another. But it fulfills that hope, that longing for a while. And a lot of these things do, right? 
And then as we move forward in life, we're like, man, let's reach into the gift of life again. And what's the next thing that we're going to hope for? And a lot of times it's for a family, right? We want our family, man. And, and this is my family. You know, you want your, your, your spouse, you want kids, man, even a dog, right? You want a dog and like that white picket fence. You, whatever it is for you, you're painting that picture. And really what you're doing is you're painting something that you're hoping in, that you're reaching out for. That's what we're doing. The thing is, is like anything in life, we get it and then it's, now what? Like what's, what's next? I need something else to hope in, to place my hope in so I can, I can reach for it. And uh, when all else fails, there's always the reaching down and, man, I'm looking forward to traveling. That's what, dude, I'm going to travel. How many, how many of you got, how many of in the room, come on, you're like, the, you're the traveler. Like, I can't wait till the day I can just travel, right? And it's so ambiguous. It's just, travel. now some of you, you actually have a plan, but for most of us, it's like, I'm just going to travel, because you'd have nothing else to look for or hope in. I don't know. It's like, I'm just going to travel the world. And people now, they're like 21 years old. And they're like, I just want to travel before I really get settled down. <laughs> How do you pay for it? Like, I don't understand. Like, we're gonna, I'm going to travel, and then I'm going to settle down. It's like, what? You, don't have a, you don't have a job. I don't understand nowadays. I guess maybe it's credit. I'm not sure. I got to learn from these people. But it's, I look forward to traveling. And the deal is, is that, that that might be cool, but let's say that you do all these things well. Let's say that you live that American dream, and you've gone from mile marker to mile marker of setting your hope in something, and you've actually accomplished them, and you've done them. At some point, there's, not, there's nothing else to reach for. There's nothing else to reach for. And the picture I'm painting is sort of the American dream. And the reality is, is that sometimes that's accomplished at 65 years of age or earlier for some people. And you got 30 years of your life, right? But we limit it to these mile markers in our, in our thinking. Young people, guys, look, what I, that's a rough picture. I just kind of a thin picture. But the reality is, is that's sort of what we hope for. And if I could do all those things, I could look back and I can say, man, that was awesome, but some of you, have, you've reached that age. Maybe you are traveling. Maybe you are doing that thing, and, you, and you, you're like, you know, it's, it's true. It kind of it, it lacks real, true meaning. It's fun. It's good. I'm not saying traveling's bad. Y'all know my heart, right? I'm just saying whenever we actually are placing our hope in it, what a letdown. What a letdown. And so... You know, in a, in a culture where we're taught all of these things matter so much, maybe we need to be taught about something that might matter a little bit more. We need to focus in on that. And, and so what is real hope? What's true hope? It's, it's future expectation and something. The Bible has a little bit different perspective of hope. The biblical understanding of hope, there's a few different words for it. One word is yakal. That's right. Yakal. Yakal. You gotta, you gotta dig in in the palate back there. It means to wait for. That, that, that expectancy, that waiting, kind of like when Noah waited in the ark for the water to recede. But another word is kava. And it's to wait for it with tense expectation. The picture here is actually a rope that is stretched to its max and is on the edge of breaking. Hope. Waiting 
with tense expectation. A lot of times whenever we talk about hope and waiting, it's always this picture. I don't, maybe it's just me, but it's just like this peaceful, serene type of, I'm just waiting on the Lord. You know what I'm saying? My hope is in him. And we, we, we even hear ourselves say it that way whenever actually, biblically speaking, sometimes it's like in, through tears and through anger and through, through pain, my hope is in God. My kavah, right? My, this, this waiting, this tense expectation is in something bigger than me, but also it's not always that peaceful. Sometimes the process of waiting is painful. It's a different picture than maybe how we paint it. And the type of hope that we're speaking about is something that trumps every other circumstance. I like the way that John Piper put it. Biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. Now, all the things I'm talking about, we don't want to reduce those things down to, again, what's in that box right there, the things that we can touch and feel. What is this biblical hope that we have, not just a desire, for something good in the future? Are we talking about a house? Are we talking about a car? Are we talking about all of our plans succeeding? Or are we talking about something greater? think we're talking about something greater. So where cultural hope is like this, cultural hope sounds like this, I hope I get, it's kind of like a wish, I wish I would get this, I hope that I get that. Christian hope says, I know that I have. I know that I have a confident expectation. But when it comes to hope, again, we're created for it. We're created for it. And I want you really quick to go back to the garden with Adam and Eve. And I want you to picture two people that were created in the image of God without need, lacking nothing, completely fulfilled in themselves and in God. There was no lack. They had full and complete hope, peace, joy, because those things are God's characteristics. And they were completely at one with him. They were united with him. There was, a, there was no barrier between them. So these people are, are created in the image of God. They're, they're created longing and needing hope, peace, joy, love, which honestly, all of us in this room still desire and we need the same thing. Okay. So God is that. God is hope. He, he, he fulfills our hope. So what happened to that hope? What happened to it? Well, this is what I want you to know. Nothing actually happened to hope. Nothing, nothing destroyed hope. What actually happened is, is we moved away from hope. Hope is God. It's who he is. He didn't distance himself from us. We distanced ourselves from him because of sin. If you've been here any amount of time, you know, oh, here comes the sin card. That's right. Sin is kind of a big deal. It's kind of messed up every single aspect of our life. Everything. It's even messed up what we hope in and how we approach hope. And so Romans 15 actually refers to God as the God of hope. 
And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the devil uses sin and deception in order to cloak or or blind us from seeing true hope, and true hope is God. You understand that? So whenever we lose sight of God, we lose sight of his plan, his purpose, his will, we then lose sight of hope as a whole. Whenever we search for this true hope in anything other than God, we'll eventually end up in hopelessness. And it's one of our greatest needs. I think Tim Keller really explains this well when he talks about us as people. He says, you and I are unavoidably and irreducibly hope-based creatures. It's unavoidable. So if you're in this place and you think that you need hope less than someone else, you don't. At the core of who you are, you need something to look forward to. You got to have it. He says, we're unavoidably, irreducibly hope-based creatures. We are controlled not how we live now, but what we think will happen later. What you think will happen later is what determines your now, how you approach your now, how you approach today, right? Think about it. What I think is going to happen when I leave this place it, it, it affects the way that I engage in the moment. Have you ever been like with a bunch of people hanging out and you're all together and you're having a good time and all of a sudden the thought comes into your mind, yeah, well, what are we doing after this, right? My seven-year-old daughter has an inability to not ask the question, what are we doing after this? What are we doing after this? Like how many of y'all, like your kids, it's crazy, you just dropped $1,000 on something, right? You're on vacation. What are we going to do when we get home? It's the second day of a seven-day vacation. Why are you caring about, you know, like, enjoy the moment. <laughs> it costs so much money. <laughs> Why? They, they just are always like, what's next? What's, what's it? And we have this consumeristic type thing, but we, we still need that thing to look forward to because actually what we're looking forward to anchor, anchors us in the now, how we're thinking about what's going on. So, so we are controlled, not how we live now, but what we think will happen later. Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future, not the immediate, okay? Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future, not just tomorrow, the ultimate future, and that is what dictates our today. And so whenever you don't have this big picture in your mind and in your heart, Eventually, you're going to enter into a state of hopelessness, and hopelessness is a, an epidemic. It's a disease in our nation. It's a disease in this world. A well-known American writer, novelist, he said this, it is hopelessness even more than pain that crushes the soul. Hopelessness. Think about in your life right now, the moments where you, you're in a trial, you're in a circumstance, you're, you're talking about a situation, and you felt that, that pit in the, the, you know, your, your soul of just nothingness, of like, I don't see a way out of this. Truly hopeless in that situation. Some of us have experienced that in little moments. We've experienced that in maybe one trial or one circumstance. And some people, that is their entire life. Every single circumstance that they look at, 
their family, their friends, their nation, their, I mean, it doesn't matter, their kids, whatever it is, their job, they look at all of it and there's just, there's just a bottomless pit of void and it's like they, they, they can't ever put their feet on something that says, I have hope on this. I have hope in this. We're gonna be okay because of this. It's literally just nothing and they feel like they're falling. And some of you might find yourself in that place here today, hopeless, hopeless. It's a very, very strong uh, emotion. It's a very real thing. And, and the issue is that, did you know that you can have that hopeless feeling even whenever all of your needs are met. You, you, you could be completely hopeless whenever you have everything that you need because it goes a lot deeper than the things that you need and the things that you want. It goes a lot deeper than your next meal or your house. Hope is a soul thing. So we were perfected in hope, right? Because we had God, we had this complete connection. Sin enters in, we're broken away from this hope-filled life So now we have this propensity to need to fill this void, to fill this black hole of hope, confident expectation in something. So whenever we talk about Jesus, how did Jesus bring true hope? How did he actually bring this? How did he he reset hope in our hearts and in our life? Well, I don't think it's that Jesus brought hope. I don't think it's like Jesus literally had a gift and he's like, hey guys, so I've brought you hope. You know, it's not like, like, now here's hope and now I'm leaving. I want you to think about it like this. That Jesus came onto the scene and he didn't bring hope. He is hope. He embodies hope. He is true hope. Who he is, how he lived, what his life represents, what his death did, what his resurrection has done, his life, his very existence is hope. Hope and he has brought true hope to us, to us, to our way of thinking, to our way of living. Romans 15 12 says, and again, Isaiah says, again, here's the deal Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies. Here's another one the root of Jesse will come, King David, in, in the line of King David, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him. Will the Gentiles hope? That's what we're talking about today, y'all. We're still living out these words, living out this prophecy. He is our hope. He is our confident hope. He fulfilled the prophecies. He fulfilled the promises. Is continually fulfilling the promises. We just sang about the promises a while ago, right? He's fulfilled the prophecies, the promises. He fulfilled the covenant of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He died, he was resurrected, he defeated sin and death. He embodies our hope because he is hope. And this is the thing I would need you to understand is that our hope is not based on a circumstance, not a a situation that works out. Our, Our hope is based on the person of Jesus. That's our hope. Everything else is a far second. Our hope is not based on a circumstance, it's based on a person. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to this confession of our hope without wavering, because God is faithful. The strength of our hope is in God's faithfulness. 
Faith and hope are intertwined. They're interwoven together. Faith is, is about looking back at what God has done and finding out of that faith for the moment and then looking forward to the hope that we have in him. God's faithfulness in the garden, God's faithfulness in his covenant, God's faithfulness to his people, God's faithfulness to send Jesus to live, die, be buried and resurrected, God's faithfulness through all the last couple of thousand years, God's faithfulness, our, our, our hope is based in his faithfulness. We can look back to what God has accomplished and we can look forward to what he will accomplish. Does that make sense? Faith and hope so important for our lives that our hope is, is based in this. Our hope is not based on our own faithfulness. Come on. How many of you, you waver from time to time? Right? You're faithful one week, not so faithful the next. God is consistent. Hebrews 6.19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So I'm 35 years old. And I know that's not very old. But one thing I have found is that whenever you go through, through good times, or whenever you go through bad times, that there's, there's not a lot of things in this world that you can reach out and grab hold of that actually anchor you long term. There's a lot of things that you can reach out and grab hold to that will give you a sense of grace or a sense of meaning or a sense of being anchored inside your soul, okay, in your mind that will, that will soothe you, but it, it's, it just runs out. It, it runs out. And so the, it, how good is an anchor if it only lasts for five minutes on a boat, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? You're in, a, you're in a, a ship, you throw the anchor, and it's like, oh, got an expiration date on it. <laughs> Thanks. Really looking forward to that. No, because eventually it's going to break. Something's going to happen. And then you're right back where you left off. And that's what happens. And that's why this verse is so important that God is the anchor of our soul. He's the anchor of our soul. We, what, what we reach out and we grab a hold of in order to numb or deliver us in the moment is what we are placing our hope in. And the Bible is very clear that he is the only sure and steadfast hope that we have. Now, I want to say this before we, we go to the next point. I think that whenever we say hopelessness, when we talk about hope, we tend to only think of it, think of it in terms of loss. And whenever we think about anchoring our soul, we think about storm being negative. And one thing that I know, y'all, and, and this isn't going to apply to everybody in the room, but this will apply to a lot of you, is that actually things are really good. It's really good. Like your health is good, your finances are good, they could always be better. Come on, guys, y'all know how it is. Because we're Americans, we always need more. Could always be better. Your family's actually, it's actually good. It's okay. It's not, it's not terrible. Like you're not dreading Christmas because of your family. Like it's okay, you know? But there's a lot of things in your life that are actually good. And some of you would even say life is great. 
Yeah, there's some things I could look at and be like, it's not perfect. Well, of course it's not perfect. It's not heaven, okay? But it's good. Comparatively speaking, you're like, man, my life is great. Thank God. And what I do know is that for those of you that might find yourself in that area, that you are just as much in danger of placing your hope in something else other than God than the person who just lost a dear loved one, a person who is in the depths of despair. Because what happens is we get distracted and deceived and somehow we drift away again from the anchor of our soul being God to whatever we have. Like if I, have, if I open up a bank account and I look at the number that's there, like I feel good, right? Because there's a lot of money in there. Like I'm not worried about where my, how my bill's gonna get paid. Like I feel good about that, right? So then you can kind of be like, I'm good. I don't need to really, you know, Seek the Lord. Things get really bad, and what happens? All of a sudden, we're seeking the Lord. The problem is, 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 is that both people can find themselves in a spot where their hope is not found in Jesus. Their hope is found in something else. So the person that doesn't have a lot of money, and you can take whatever I'm saying and, and filter it into your life. The person that doesn't have a lot of money, their hope is in money. If I had money, then I would be fulfilled, right? Then the person over here that has a lot of money, they're like, I got a lot of money, kind of don't really have anything that I need. I'm not desperate, so therefore I'm good. And then they, they have the same propensity to reach out for something else rather than Jesus. You see, that's why this hope that we're talking about is outside of all of these things, above all of these things, transcends all of these things. It's so important that we change our thinking. For some of you, I'm not really sure this is working well for you because you're like, yeah, but it is nice to have a lot of money. <laughs> it does feel good to have that house. It does feel good to look forward. Or this, if I'm not really looking forward to those things, then what am I looking forward to? And I know that none of you would say that because we're in church, so that would sound weird to say in church. But I really think that's, that's the thing as well. It's like, ah, man, like, so then what is life really about? What is true hope or Maybe some of you are asking this next question, how can I experience true hope? One thing I know is that there's two different groups of people in this room. There's those who your faith, your hope, everything you have is grounded in Jesus. You're a believer. Your faith is in God. But I know that you have the same propensity as the other people in the room who are unbelievers, who your hope and faith is not found in Jesus. You have the same propensity to drift. And so, so some things that you need to continue to do in your walk with God to maintain this, this experience of having true hope in Jesus is you've got to maintain a prayer life. You've got to maintain a Bible reading life. It is the word of God that he has given to us to anchor us, to align us. We've got to make sure that we're maintaining that. I hate maintaining stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm the guy that like once I do it once, like I've done it and now I want to move on to something else. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I fixed the car, we're good. I fixed it, and it's now continually starting to break again. Okay, so therefore, you gotta maintain it. You gotta change the oil. You can't walk away from it. It's, it's, it's just, it's called adulting, right? <laughs> okay, so when it comes to Christianing, all right, when it comes to believing, it is a constant thing, and it's not a drudgery. It's actually a discovery of who God is, and so your prayer life, your word life, Reminding yourself who you are in Jesus is so important. Hanging out with other believers. 
with other people that are like-minded. Hey, guys, look, I, you're not going to ever hear me say something like, you need to only hang out with people who believe like you. I believe that that's actually against the heart of God, all right? We're called to be lights in dark places, but we're called to affect the environment. We're, we're called to stand firm in our faith in darkness. And for some of you, you might need to check your circle. You need to check your circle of friends because who we hang out with, and what I mean by hang out with is I mean that who we like, we uh, it's fellowship. It's, it's, it's not just hang out. It's deeper than that. It's the people that we actually share our life with. Those people, they affect us, and they can affect us for good or for bad, all right? So for some of you, whenever you hang out with somebody, they're not like the people that you're literally, I'm talking, sharing your deepest secrets with, and they're speaking into your life, but you need to be very careful of who is. You need to be very careful of who's speaking into your life. Who's your circle? I think that hanging out with believers is a wonderful way to continue to experience true hope because whenever somebody's hope is, is founded in something lesser than Jesus, they live life differently, y'all. They live life differently. And so we gotta be aware of that. Protect the faith that's in us. But for unbelievers, you might be watching online. I don't know. You might be in this place. You're just on the, on the fence right now. How can you experience true hope? Well, first off, I think that you get the point that um, the way that the Bible paints it and the way that we believe it is that there's actually no real true hope that you can find in anything other than Jesus. Everything else falls short. And I think that's where the deception is, is because it eventually falls short. It doesn't fall short for a long time in some cases. And we could truly reach out and grab on and, and hold fast to our confession of hope in this life. And I just want to encourage you with this, is that there's no hope that withstands other than Jesus that can withstand death. Nothing. I was just talking to somebody a while ago. Their mom uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And this man, he said, he said uh, being there with her in her final days, I've never seen the grace and the mercy of God displayed like I saw in those moments. Because for believers, hope is a transition. Hope is actually a wonderful thing that we kind of look forward to in a weird kind of way because we're not built for death, but, but we know what's, what's on the other side of that. And for us, there's true hope. There's living hope in that. But if you're in this place and, and you don't have that hope, then your hope is only in this life. And it might be a good one. It might be a good one. But at some point, some things will expire. And so today, I believe that, that you realize and you see, you've heard truth, you've seen what the word of God says. And I believe that for some of you who are unbelievers, that God is pulling at your heart. And he says, today's the day. Today's the day for you to say yes. And maybe some of you, you would consider yourself to be a believer, but you know that you're kind of like, Eh, kind of got on the fence a little bit. Today, I think it would be a great day for you as well to really ground your hope in Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, I'm praying for each of us in this room right now. I'm praying that you would help us to have a real revelation of your hope. Like, so much so, God, that it would renovate the way that we approach our circumstances, our trials, 
our thought process, God, that it would renovate the way that we see the world. If you're in this place and you know that you're far from God, but you wanna make a decision today to follow him, I wanna pray a prayer with you. And you don't have to repeat after me, but you can. But really, I'd love for you to pray your own prayer to God in your own words. But it's just about you just saying, God, here I am. Pray something like this. God, I come before you. I'm humble. I'm broken. God, I am in need of you. I am in need of salvation, of being saved from darkness to light, transitioned out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. And right now, God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me to live a perfect life, to die a painful death, and to be raised back to new life so that I could live and not die. And today I receive that, that good news. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his blood that was shed for my sin to redeem me, to give me a hope and a future. And I thank you for your salvation today. Jesus, I pray, for, I pray for every single one of us in this place today. God, that you would seal what's been spoken. God, that you would raise us up, that you would raise up our vision to something higher than just the things that we see in this world. Even though there may be really good highs and really low lows, God, that you would center us on you, that you are our hope, you are our future. We praise you in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. What a great message. Look, if you prayed that prayer right, right now, man, look, we want to reach out to you through this What's Next card. It's a simple application that you would fill out and indicate what happened to you today. We as a church really want to come alongside of you and encourage you in your walk with God. That's what the church is all about, right? To encourage one another, to be equipped, to continue to make a difference here on this planet while we're here. And so, uh, look, we're excited for you guys. If you prayed online, you can fill out that connect card, that what's next card. And uh, we're going to reach out to you. Our, our uh, assistant pastor here, his name's Tom. He's out right now in Ohio. I saw a picture of him, by the way, on Facebook. He had his Ohio shirt on and he was pointing at it because he's an Ohio fan. So when he gets back, Pastor Jordan's really going to, you know, put that LSU charm on him. But uh, we're regular people, obviously, so we're so excited that you did pray that prayer. All of heaven is rejoicing. So let's give it up one more time, Northwood Church. Yeah, we're excited for you. We really are. I want to remind you, you know, as a church, we're a giving church. And uh, I know Pastor Jordan kind of talked about it, but last week as a team, through your faithful giving, we were able to purchase $10,000 worth of food for everybody on Thanksgiving week. Come on, let's give it up for all of our faithful givers in the house. I mean... It takes money to produce the gospel in, in the sense of what we do on the earth. I mean, look, we're, we're going to go to four locations next year, and uh, we're just excited. And faithful giving is what propels the gospel, people who are committed in that. So, look, if you're a guest with us today, don't feel any kind of obligation to give. If, you, if you're a part of this church, look, I always say, look, just ask the Lord, should I, should I continue to give? <laughs> See what he says and ask the Lord, how, how much should I give? And I think he'll, he'll, he'll encourage you in that. And I've been giving for 20 years now, and it's been great privilege and honor to be a part of a team like this, to give into an everlasting kingdom. Uh, that the, It's not like the stock market, right, where it's going to go up and down. It's like, man, I'm sowing into something that's going to actually affect people's lives when I'm dead. 
When I'm long and gone, the church is still going to be going, and I'm a part of that. So it's great to be a part of that. And also, look, every time you come to church, we have a prayer team right here in the front of the room. And this team is here to pray for you. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about Jesus, and we believe God answers prayer. We pray in the authority of Jesus. We, we believe that God can do miracles here on this earth while we're here, looking forward to eternity. So I know some of you in this room right now, this thing called hope, you're like, man, you know, I, I just need somebody to pray with me about that. My hope in Christ seems to be faltered, and I need a miracle in my life. I, I need that revelation that Pastor Jordan was talking about. This prayer team is going to be right here in the front of this room for you. Just come up and get some prayer and uh, believe God. And so, hey, let's stand to our feet. I know there's a lot of announcements going on, but we, we, want, we want you guys to be fully informed. And one of the ways we do that is uh, this info guide. If you haven't grabbed one, there's one for the whole month of December, and uh, you can get one on the stands on the way out. But this Wednesday is prayer and worship. Man, we're going to be praying the house down. We're going to be believing God. If you haven't been to a prayer and worship night, this is your night right here in this room. It's going to be great. And uh, so, look, how many of you guys got an Acts of Kindness card? All right, so this table should be empty when we go out. Like right over there, right over there, right over there. Man, everybody grab an Acts of Kindness card on your way out. It's imperative that you do this. You know what I'm saying? Look, last week, it was funny. I, was, uh, I grabbed an Acts of Kindness card. I was at the Long Beach location. And last week, you know, our focus was to, to really give somebody some food or to tip them well. And uh, I said, you know what? This is our day. And so we, we went to a restaurant, and it was just a wonderful experience Knowing that I was going to do something, anticipating it, praying about it, my, my level of awareness was awakened, and I was looking for that moment. How many of you know that's fun to do? You know, it's like, I'm looking for the moment, Lord, and so look for the moment this week as you, as you head out, and I believe God will show you that moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be a part of your mission, God, your great commission uh, of bringing the, the hope and joy and peace that's found in Christ to people. Lord, as we, as we go out this week, Lord, I'm praying that you would uh, illuminate that moment for us, that we can be a part of it so that you can get the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen, we love you guys. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you at Prayer and Worship this Wednesday. <laughs>